It started with a stern judgment read out in a formal court of law. It is declared that Mr. Jacob Gedlechegisazuma is guilty of the crime of contempt of court. But by this weekend, when the former president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, was supposed to hand himself over to the police, instead, the country faced a fresh crisis. Columns of uniformed military veterans marched on Zuma's home. It's destroying Zuma because he's the Zulu man coming from the Zulu nation. So we are the Zulu nation here. Accompanied by some of his ANC supporters and armed Zulu warriors, convoys of cars packed with his supporters blocked the roads. Shots were fired and war cries rang out. A human shield had arrived to protect Jacob Zuma from the authorities, with some of his supporters threatening a civil war if he was arrested. If President Zuma continued to be targeted, and if President Zuma is eventually sentenced to prison, that our country will be torn apart. The rowdy, fractious crowds sang songs from the struggle when the ANC, including a young Jacob Zuma, fought against apartheid. And as he addressed the assembled media, it was the apartheid, again, that Zuma turned to. I'm very concerned that South Africa is fast sliding back to apartheid-type rule. I am facing long detention without trial. As Jacob Zuma faces prison, who is the man behind the turmoil? And what will his sentence mean for South Africa? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Jacob Zuma on trial. I'm Jane Flanagan. I'm the Times Africa correspondent and I'm based in Cape Town. Jane, along with the rest of the world, watched last week as acting Chief Justice Sisi Kapepe delivered a landmark verdict. Mr. Jacob Gedlechegisazuma is sentenced to undergo 15 months imprisonment. Mr. Jacob Gedlechegisazuma is ordered to submit himself to the South African police at Nkandla police station. The world gasped. Not just because former presidents are rarely imprisoned, but because Jacob Zuma, who's been mired in allegations of corruption for years now, has rarely faced the consequences. This is an extraordinary outcome by the Constitutional Court. Today is a big day in the South African story. The former president could be arrested in the coming week. A moment that might show that although governments can fail, the system in this young democracy might have worked. Jane, it's been a remarkable week out there. Talk us through the moment that the recent ruling came in. Were people expecting anything quite so dramatic? I think people 
had high hopes that the judiciary, that the highest court, the constitutional court, would find Jacob Zuma guilty of contempt for defying its order made five months ago when they told him he had to give evidence before an inquiry looking into corruption carried out during his time. And I think when the acting chief justice, C.C. Kapepe, began delivering her hour-long judgment, the sort of language she used made people think, they're going to find him guilty. Oh, my goodness. Maybe they're going to jail him because Judge Zondo, who heads the inquiry into corruption, looking into wrongdoing during Jacob Zuma's time as president, had asked for two years in jail for him because he has shown such disregard for the courts that a clear signal had to be sent to him and to South Africa. The Constitutional Court went to great lengths to safeguard Mr. Zuma's rights. Consequently, there is simply no sound, no logical basis on which Mr. Zuma can claim to have been treated unfairly or victimized. His attempts to evoke public sympathy through unfounded allegations fly in the face of reason. And on Wednesday, the Constitutional Court really showed that no one is above the law. A president who was in prison during the apartheid era was going back to prison. Quite a remarkable sight. Where were you when you heard? What were your immediate thoughts? One thing about South Africa, we've got used to quite high-profile trials. I mean, Oscar Pistorius, you'll remember that was broadcast. Tuning into courtroom dramas, real-life courtroom dramas, is something that's sort of part of life now. Cici Kapepe, who the acting chief justice, I mean, she's a real internet superstar now in South Africa. She's just an incredible role model for South Africans. She was born in Soweto. She was educated at Harvard. And the judgment was so beautifully written, so beautifully delivered, so absolutely devastating to the ears of Jacob Zuma that people have really poured over every word. Because the judges have held the line over a long period of time in South Africa where the police have been corrupt, where the politicians have been corrupt, judges are held in very high esteem in South Africa. So they do become celebrities in a way. The courts are really seen as an arena of great drama. Do you think she was very aware of that? Do you think she was aware of the audience when she made that judgment? Yes, I think so. Five months they took over that. And I think the longer it went on, the worse it looked for Jacob Zuma. I think they were expecting a suspended sentence. But for a former president to be sent to jail, a former president who's 79, jail is not a place you want to find yourself at the moment in these COVID times as an elderly man. And the fact that a black female judge of the highest court in the land is sending someone who was formerly a struggle hero to jail, I think she must. I think they all must in that bench because it was a majority ruling known that the eyes of the country and the world were on them. Hello and welcome to BBC News. In the past few hours, it's been announced that South Africa's top court has sentenced the former president, Jacob Zuma, to 15 months in jail for contempt of court. En refusant de coopérer avec une commission anti-corruption, Jacob Zuma, qui s'est This was a significant moment. And what struck me was the amount of references that were made to Nelson Mandela, who was Jacob Zuma's fellow inmate on Robben Island for a decade. And his words 
were printed at the beginning of that judgment. And she invoked his words about how everyone should be equal before the law. Mr. Zuma once again squandered an opportunity to respect this country's legal processes, which guarantee all citizens fairness and equality before the law. He again aired his views through inflammatory statements intended to undermine the authority of the Constitutional Court. Ancestors are very important in African culture, and I think it was quite deliberate that she was invoking the most famous contemporary ancestor in South Africa to make it quite clear to him and everyone else that Nelson Mandela would approve of what was happening. Tell me, how did it go down? In South Africa, it must have been all over the news, but what, what was the reaction in, in the media, amongst politicians and amongst the people? It was absolutely massive news. And I think for South Africans, ordinary citizens, to see someone as powerful as Jacob Zuma finally get his comeuppance, you know, it was a shock. But of course, the discussion now is, is he actually going to go to jail? His foundation put out a statement. This was the first formal response to the judgment, which is denouncing them as an emotional and angry bench. A lot of people have picked up on that, saying, I wonder if he would have used emotional if it had not been a female judge. But meanwhile, he's accused them of being unconstitutional. But meanwhile, I think he's locked in discussions with his lawyers about how to play this, how to use it for his own advantage, because he's a very arch-scheming politician and he will be wanting to use this to save face. What has the reaction been amongst the, the, the people and amongst the media? I mean, are people glad to see him being sentenced to jail or are there pockets of, of resistance who are angered by the decision? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much power he still has within the ruling African National Congress, who is going to speak up for him. Uh, you sort of get the usual crowd, you know, talking it up, threatening to go to Nkandla, which is his compound in KwaZulu-Natal province, which is really his Zulu stronghold. A lot of people saying they're going to go and defend that. He's got a lot of children and they're sort of talking it up and saying they'll defend him. Whatever decisions are taken by law enforcement agencies of this country, well, they'll have to kill me first before uh, such thing is implemented. By kill you first, Mr. Zuma, you mean before your father can be dragged from exactly. his home to exactly. prison, they'll have exactly. to kill you first? Exactly. I think people are feeling quite mixed. It's sad that a, ca a character like that has fallen so far from where he used to be. It's pathetic, isn't it, really? A man of that age who had the sort of credentials that he has is finally going to jail for this. For President Ramaphosa, it's a mixed blessing. It shows what he's dealing with, what he's up against when he is trying to clean up his own party. But at the same time, Jacob Zuma is likely to use this against Ramaphosa. He is not, of course, backing his reform anti-corruption agenda because he's got so much to lose from it. And there's a reason why Jacob Zuma keeps bringing up apartheid. It's a rallying cry to his supporters. I think it's quite significant. The last people to put Zuma in jail were the apartheid regime, and now he's going back to jail, sent by the Constitutional Court. And I think a point that is quite powerful that some of his supporters are making is that F.W. de Klerk, the last white president of South Africa, he never went to jail. 
He got a Nobel Peace Prize, but for many years he was on the wrong side of history and he was very much part and parcel of what was happening, the persecution of the majority black South Africans. Jacob Zuma has not been found guilty at a trial. He's been found guilty by the Constitutional Court, to which he gave no evidence. Take us back to Jacob Zuma, the man. Give us a bit about his background, his part in the struggle and how he became president. Congratulations, Mr. President. I think the difference between Mandela and Zuma was Mandela was a very educated man. He was a lawyer. He was a deep thinker and very charismatic, a natural leader. And he was jailed for treason in the end. And as you know, as everyone knows, he served 27 years. Jacob Zuma was just very young. He spent 10 years on Robben Island, was very much part of that great cohort of ANC figures who were revered. We gather here determined to renew that most solemn undertaking to build a society in which all people are freed from the shackles of discrimination, exploitation, want and disease. Zuma was born in Enkandla, in what's now become the KwaZulu-Natal region. He still lives there now, although in very different circumstances. He now lives in a private compound, which controversially he spent almost £12.5 million worth of taxpayers' money on. Back then, his home was more humble. His father was a policeman who died when he was just five, and his mother was a domestic worker. Jacob Zuma had been a goat herder, he's very uneducated, but Mandela and Walter Sisulu and these other very educated characters who, who were on Robin Island make, made sure that every day there were lessons, even while they were working in the lime quarries, there were great discussions taking place. They were going to make sure that when they finally did get their freedom, that they were going to be ready to take power and they would have all the sorts of discussions about what they would do and policies and test each other's beliefs. He came after Mandela and then Thabo Mbeki, again, a very educated man. I remember at the time in 2009 when Zuma became president, there were concerns over his lack of education. But nevertheless, he surrounded himself by good people. He had all these other technocrats around him and he had a lot of personal charm and appealed to ANC voters. You could really relate to him as a sort of quite a populist character. Tell me about that. You talk about him as a man of charm. I mean, what sort of a character is he? Jacob Zuma is extremely charming. If you see him at a rally, the years fall away. I mean, he dances, he sings, he tells a good joke. He's an incredible raconteur. He's a brilliant and engaging politician. All the corruption and so on that we associate Zuma with, perhaps the most shameful episodes for him uh, was when he was on trial for rape. For many people who don't follow South African politics, that will have been one of the last times he really sort of made international headlines. Yes. I mean, it was shameful. He was on trial for rape of the daughter of an acquaintance. The ANC then had really bungled their response to the HIV AIDS pandemic. A lot of people had died unnecessarily. It really had sort of hollowed out a generation in this country. Zuma went on trial for rape and in his defence he said 
that uh, sexual intercourse had been consensual. And when he was asked about, you know, the risk of of HIV AIDS, he said, no, I had a shower afterwards to make sure that, you know, there was no transmission. I mean, that was shocking. So shocking. So out of step, really showed sort of how out of step the party was with science, with right thinking, with setting an example, being role models to the country. But nevertheless, characters like that, they're quite often forgiven, aren't they? We see that across the world with populist leaders. It was exonerated by the court. The victim had a very miserable life and has died since then. And he was a great survivor. But we've seen this week that sometimes you run out of luck or road. How was Jacob Zuma, the great survivor, finally sentenced to prison? In a moment, we'll look at the greatest crime he now stands accused of committing, state capture. But first... Hi, I'm George Abuffnot, the deputy editor of the Sunday Times Insights Investigations team. It's you, the listeners and subscribers, who enable the Insight team to investigate the government's response to the pandemic. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. If you subscribe today, you can enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Jacob Zuma had survived allegations of corruption and even rape. But in 2017, a series of leaked emails revealed the extent of his links to a family of Indian businessmen who'd become billionaires whilst he was in power with his help. The country was up in arms. I was in South Africa at the time and I conducted the only interview the Guptas gave. We don't know why our name is being dragged in all these things without any miss any reason what why we will be doing that. They all, when they're targeting politically, they're running their own agenda. The allegations basically are that you've been much too close to the president and to the government. You know, there are stories which are often cited of ministers being called to your home and being either pressured. For example, there was a minister who was pressured to try and get South African Airways to drop the route to India so that uh, an airline that you have an interest in, Jet Airways, would be able to sort of monopolise the route effectively. It's, it's things like that and, and other, other ministers who sort of say that they were offered bribes. That's, that's why people call it state capture. No, but which basis? That's what I'm saying. There's no one able to ever bring a proof for that. No one. We don't know what they're talking. I really am a live example of uh, financial liberation and I'm playing my part and I'm, I'm doing very, 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 very uh, ethical job. The Guptas had hired one of Jacob Zuma's sons and they seemed to be able to control the country. They won every state contract they bid for and they were even said to be able to hire and fire ministers. Their business interests were so intertwined with Zuma that they were known as the Zuptas. For the past three years, the Zondo Commission has been investigating the claims of corruption so epic it needed a new title, State Capture. The Guptas were very much embroiled in state capture. 
the biggest corruption scandal since the end of apartheid. And what we've heard, we've had 250-odd witnesses now giving evidence to Judge Raymond Zondo, and they've described how Jacob Zuma allowed his entire government and the police and the state prosecuting authority and state-owned enterprises, everything was allowed to be repurposed to ensure that the Guptas had captured the state. So that meant that the Guptas got to choose who would run certain ministries, including the Treasury, who would be the finance minister, who would run the prosecuting authority, who would be the chief of police, who would run ESCOM, which is the national power provider, where they would buy their coal from, or funnily enough, their mines. So every aspect of the state was captured and repurposed to make sure that the Guptas' huge business empire won state contracts and could manipulate events so that they would not only benefit financially, but there would be no comeback. So even when there were investigations by journalists, even when uh, uh, civil society and NGOs started asking difficult questions, it was all shut down. And we understand that it cost a trillion rand, 50 billion pounds is what it cost the South African government. What happens, Manveen, is that we only see the effects of years and years of that sort of thing afterwards. So now in South Africa, we have almost daily power cuts because ESCOM, the power provider, is bankrupt. You have chaos at key ministries because no work was done for so long because the wrong people were in the job, not people who were competent or qualified to do those jobs, but people who were owed a favour, people who were uneducated, people who were incompetent, people who were absolutely reckless with money. The airline went bankrupt. No tax was collected. Crime was out of control because the prosecuting authority had been captured. The police had been captured. And now, of course, when you've got the pandemic and you've got an economic sort of tsunami, of course, everything is compounded so much more. I mean, I remember meeting people out there. I, I was sort of investigating some of this. And, and there were people in like entire departments in the revenue services who would come to work, having worked there for decades, come to work one morning and find they'd all been fired. And in order to stop them going to tribunals, there would be accusations of them running brothels and things like that. So they were sort of just covered in shame instead. I mean, the system was just completely dysfunctional. Did the courts manage to escape all that? Because, I mean, this does seem to show that the judiciary, if nothing else, really does work. I think there was uh, an attempt to put some bad eggs in the judiciary. But, you know, the ultimate court, the constitutional court, judges have to be selected from a shortlist that's been approved by a special commission. So it wasn't easy. They don't have the power in this country for the president just to install his own people without a commission approval. And there's a certain system. So that structure at least is set up in a way that there are checks and balances and the separation of powers. It shows that on this particular pillar of democracy, it really was very effective. And you can see that as the last resort, how important that is to insulate the judiciary when everything else has been captured. Despite the outcry and the allegations of extraordinary corruption, That's not the reason Jacob Zuma has now been sentenced to 15 months in prison. It's partly 
because he refused to be any part of the inquiry into what happened. He did appear briefly before the inquiry to make a statement, but as soon as the questioning got too tough, this was in year before last, he staged a walkout. And since then, he provided medical certificates, all manner of excuses why he shouldn't return until Judge Zondo eventually went to the courts and got them to issue a summons. It was when he ignored that summons, that order from the Constitutional Court to appear before Judge Zondo, that then it resulted in this week's ruling, finding him in contempt of that. So this is prison for contempt of court, but not the actual corruption that he's been accused of. He's on trial now for a string of charges, money laundering, corruption, racketeering. That's relating to a massive arms deal from the late 90s. That's when he was a senior figure, minister and then deputy president. And that trial is uh, ongoing. But funnily enough, he is appealing, asking for the prosecutor to be removed in that case because he's accused him of bias. Jacob Zuma launches what's known as the Stalingrad defence. So he just appeals, appeals and tries to string things out as long as possible. I mean, he's a 79-year-old man. Perhaps he's hoping that his death will come before any final reckoning by the courts. But uh, the fast tracking of the Constitutional Court this week showed that there are some courts where that's not going to wash. So will Jacob Zuma now be held to account for the allegations of state capture too? Jacob Zuma is on trial for corruption on a matter that predates his presidency. At the moment, there is no active case relating to state capture. And I think people really struggle to reconcile themselves with that because we know what we know how big it was. We know who the dirty players were and they simply can't understand why they're not seeing more action around that. I think for some people, the commission's gone on a very long time and they're impatient and they sort of want to see it wrapped up and they want to see people in jail. And amongst those people who might be thinking of sort of defending him, stopping him being arrested, I mean, tell me a bit about that. He does have a power base in KwaZulu-Natal. How bad could this get? Whenever I go to an event where there's where there's trouble or a rally, I quite often wonder why people are there whether they're there because, you know, they're very driven by the cause or because it was a free bus ride. You know, they're very well attended, those rallies. If there's a T-shirt and lunch and a bus, you know, you're going to get a good turnout for that. So it rather depends on what is going to be laid on. I'm sorry to sound so cynical, but I mean, so far, I'm not seeing any big names backing him. Uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, and he did appeal for calm. The ANC did put out a statement the other night. This is a very bleak moment in in the history of that party, one of one of Africa's oldest liberation movements turned political party. And even though many people will argue that Jacob Zuma deserves that, the prospect of that elderly former inmate of Nelson Mandela being behind bars is going to be a moment for that party, a moment for a lot of people in this country who remember Jacob Zuma for better things. I think it's a very bittersweet moment in the history of South Africa. I mean, in terms of that, for Cyril Ramaphosa, ever since he's come to power, he's been struggling to unite his own party. There is still a big Zuma faction in there who he has to make allowances for, otherwise he splits the government. Will this ruling, will it help or hinder him in his ability to do that? 
It rather depends. You know, he's two presidents, isn't he? He's president of the ANC. He's president of South Africa. There's plenty of evidence that these two presidencies are incompatible, that the priorities for the two roles are in conflict. So what do you think the future is for for Ramaphosa and the ANC? Well, we've got local elections coming up in October. If people are voting on local issues, then the ANC are going to be really in trouble because municipalities are not performing. Local authorities, on the whole, can't deliver services. They can't balance the books. They owe money to the state power provider. They aren't collecting bins. In a lot of places, there is no clean water. I mean, can you imagine that? Parts of South Africa have been without water for two years. They have to have water delivered in a truck because the taps are dry. The local authorities don't have any money. And meanwhile, they're seeing senior officials, ANC officials, driving around in flash cars and giving contracts to their friends. You know, people are so fed up of the corruption. The corruption that went on under Jacob Zuma, it's just... You know, it's the domino effect. We're just really living it now more than ever. If the ANC do really badly, who are they going to blame? Well, Cyril Ramaphosa could be very vulnerable to the plotting. Jacob Zuma is holed up at his home in KwaZulu-Natal now, resisting arrest and surrounded by supporters who are threatening violence and even civil war. He's following his usual tactic of appealing the court decision to buy him some time. It's an unedifying image for a former president. So what will the South Africans make of it? How will he be remembered? I don't think Jacob Zuma will be remembered very fondly because I think people are now living with the effects of the terrible, terrible corruption that was committed during his time in the presidency. So his legacy is grinding poverty for millions of South Africans, services that don't work, state structures that are absolutely on their knees. And perhaps South Africa will never really come back from this. And if it doesn't, Jacob Zuma is very much in the frame for that. So I think think people are living Jacob Zuma's legacy and I think it's a really uncomfortable way to live. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Africa correspondent for The Times, Jane Flanagan. You can read more of Jane's work at thetimes.co.uk. The producers today were Chris Wade and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. <laughs>